Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Today we start a sermon series called The Gospel According to Leviticus. And I, 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 I know most of you, you like, uh, is Leviticus in the Bible? And some of you, maybe you have those New Year's resolution where uh, you start uh, the year and say, I'm going to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And you start in Genesis and it's all great. You are enjoying it. It's awesome. It's narrative. It's story after story. You get to Exodus. The Israelites are in slavery. They're coming out and they're going through the Red Sea to the Promised Land. It's awesome to read. And then we come to Leviticus and it's like, ooh, It is not an easy book to read. I just want to be honest with you. It is about rules and regulations. It's about sacrifices. It's about how the children of God ought to conduct themselves. So I'm hoping that through the sermon series, we can help you to next time when you read Leviticus, to go with a different lens, to go with the lens of the New Testament. And then you also may ask, why are you teaching on Leviticus? I want to speak the words of Apostle Paul who said when he wrote and spoke to the church in Ephesus, he said, I did not shrink back to teaching the full counsel of God. We don't want to shrink back from teaching the full counsel of God. So we're not about rules and regulations. We're not about to now become very religious. But we want you to know that whatever is written here is the full counsel of God. So as we look into the book of Leviticus, and it's got a lot of sacrifices, our title for the sermon today is Towards the Final Sacrifice. Why are we saying Towards the Final Sacrifice? It is because... As we start the series, we are working our way towards the Passover festival, towards the Easter or Good Friday, so we can be able to understand that whatever we read in the Old Testament is pointing us towards Jesus. Here's one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It says, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but Scriptures point to me. Jesus says, whatever you read in Scripture, it points to me. So basically, every page of the Bible, somewhere there, you will see Jesus. Remember what the Bible says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this Word is Jesus. But because we're talking about sacrifice, I want to tell you a story so that we can uh, take one thing out of the way. Let me ask a question. How many of you here, growing up, you had a grandparent or parents who used to bring down a lamb, a sheep, or something, or chicken to celebrate Christmas? It's a safe space. It's a safe space. You can show your hand. Okay, you can show your hand. All right, that's a couple of you. All right, that's, that's good. That's good. Okay, maybe let's bring it to modern day because you're like, we don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Sai. Some of you, you have a bride on Christmas. Any family that's got a bride on Christmas? All right. Some have bride, some have. Any of you who eats turkey on Christmas? All right, I see you. Okay, let's go to the last one. Any of you eat gammon on Christmas? All right, I see those hands. 
Seven colors, right? Yeah, seven colors people. Whoa, look at this, the seven colors people. There you go, there you go. Now I feel like I'm home. I know that I'm talking to people who know what I'm talking about. So my grandmother, there will not be Christmas without bringing down a, a sheep or a lamb. We have to slaughter something as a way of celebrating the goodness of the Lord. So I was trained in bringing down a sheep. I know I look very modern, but I was trained in, you know, skinning the animal and washing the entrails and all that. You know, it was awesome. And then you fast forward, my son who grew up in the burbs, when he first had this experience, he says, Dad, they are abusing an animal. We have to do some work. I realize we still have some work. I share this story with you to let you know that my grandmother was very, very particular as a born-again, tongue-talking, spirit-filled Catholic. We do have charismatic Catholics, in case you didn't know. She was one of them. She would go to the prayers on Thursday, but praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. They are charismatic Catholics. So what my grandmother did well to teach us was, even when we have this lamb or sheep for Christmas, it is not a sacrifice to ancestors. She was very clear that it's not a sacrifice to ancestors because we know that some people, when you read Leviticus, they have actually used this portion of scripture to justify themselves why they're still doing sacrifices today. We know of churches that still encourage people to sacrifice, but I want to show you today that Jesus is the last and the final sacrifice. No more sacrifice after the cross. No more. He was the final sacrifice. So with that in mind, let's read Leviticus chapter 1. And it's not going to be on the screen because I found out that people who open their Bibles on Sunday, they are likely to open them on Monday. So uh, whether it's on your phone or you forgot it at home, remember to bring it next week. So we're going to read from uh, Leviticus chapter 1 about the laws for bent offerings. When you read in Leviticus, it speaks about the five offerings. And uh, bent offering is one of them. We have the peace offering. We have the sin offering. We have the guilt offering. We have uh, the trespass offering. And all these offerings, when you study them, because we won't have time to go into all of them this morning, they all point to Jesus. And it's amazing that as you study them, you see that there's a reference to the New Testament. And what we're going to do this morning, having read this, we're going to go verse by verse to see how it is represented in the New Testament. So let's read verse 1. The Lord God called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, this is God speaking. When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the head and from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the head, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. 
Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces of the herd and the fat and, the, and on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs shall wash with water, and the priests shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Friends, from this scripture that we have read, I'm going to just show you a few things that I believe God is communicating to us, and it's going to help us prepare better even for the Passover festival that is coming. It's going to help us prepare ourselves better for what God has instituted. It is so amazing that when you read the Old Testament with the lens of the New Testament, you realize that there is a pattern. In fact, at Bible school many, many years ago, we used to teach a course called The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread, which speaks about the scarlet thread, this red thread that is from Genesis to Revelation that shows that God was setting us up towards Jesus. So everything that you read in the Old Testament, you will see that it was a setup for what was to come in Jesus Christ. So when we read and Leviticus 1 verse 1, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. You can see the tent of meeting in those days, the tabernacle in the wilderness as they were traveling out of, uh, out, of, out of Egypt to the promised land. The book of Leviticus was dedicated to helping the children of God that you are meant to be set apart from the nations of the world. If you study all those laws, you realize that those laws were actually there to say, you see that these guys are doing these things, you must not do them. You must do them like this. And this is what you ought to do. So when God spoke to Moses, as you would know, in Exodus 33, Moses would go to the tent of meeting, and the Bible says the cloud will come down, and God will speak to Moses face to face as a man is speaking to a friend. Man, Moses was a special guy. God came down and spoke with Moses face to face. But I like the story of Joshua. The Bible says he never left the tent of meeting. Joshua is one of those, the generation that says, well, the same experience that Moses had, I want to have that experience. May we be like Joshua. So we read here four things that I want us to speak about this morning. Bring an offering that will cost you something, a male without blemish for atonement, and it will be a sweet aroma to the Lord. So as we look at this, the first thing I want to submit to you is when you read Leviticus 2 verse 2, it says, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering, not someone else's offering, of livestock from the head and from the flock. When it says your offering, it means you can't offer something that belongs to someone else. You must take it from your own herd. 
You must take it from your own flock, from your own crawl. Don't go steal it now and then present it before the Lord. I'm just speaking to our context. I also want to emphasize this thing, that the flock, they had for them, that was their economic assets. It was their business. So when God says you need to take from your flock, it means it has to be a sacrifice that costs you something. It's not something that you took maybe from hunting a wild animal or you take your dog and you take it for a sacrifice. No, that was not allowed. It must be an offering that costs you something. And I want to park here for a little bit. It is so interesting that we read about 2 Samuel 24, where David and the people of Israel, they are faced with a plague. There's a plague on the land. And David runs to God and says to God, God, what can we do? We are dying. The people are dying. And when you read in 2 Samuel 24, God says to David, go to the place where the plague is and go to Arona and say to Arona, we need to take your threshing floor and build an altar for the Lord so that the plague can go. Something interesting happens here. Arona says to the king, David, no, 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 king, I will offer my, thresh, my threshing floor. I will offer even the bulls. I will offer whatever you need to sacrifice to God. But look at uh, David's response. David responds like this, but the king said to Arona, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer bent offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. Now put yourself in the place of the Israelites in the Old Testament and in the Old Covenant. I mean, imagine you have sinned and you have to come to church with uh, your cow to show that you have sinned. So if you came with a sheep, we're like, okay, maybe it's not a big sin. You come with a bed, maybe it's not a big sin. But if Lereko shows up with a bull, we're like, dude, what did you do this time? <laughs> I'm saying that to say, aren't you grateful that you're living in the season of grace? Aren't you grateful that you're living in the season of the New Testament where you didn't have to actually bring a live animal to the place of worship? We sometimes forget, like I said right from the beginning, if you think things are bad, just go to the Old Testament. And we're even not reading some of the bad, bad, bad things that happen in the Old Testament. And as we read this, I want to bring a challenge to all of us this morning. What are you offering to God and what is it costing you? What are you offering to God and what is it costing you? I mean, look at this uh, New Testament scripture that helps us understand. We're looking at Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus from the Old Testament. For you were bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. We were bought at a price, so let's do our best to glorify God with our bodies, remembering that Jesus was the final sacrifice for our sakes. 
Jesus was the final sacrifice. He died so that we don't have to be like those animals that were slaughtered. Because when you have committed sin, in fact, God could just annihilate you and take you out. But the animal took our place. Jesus took our place. I don't know about you, but I don't, have you noticed that following Jesus will cost you everything? Following Jesus will cost you everything. But here's the good news. Following Jesus will cost you everything you think you need, but gain you everything you actually need. Following Jesus will cost you everything that you think you need, but will gain you everything that you actually need. So we see Jesus here in Leviticus. One of the things that have really blessed me and my wife recently is how our son who had gone through a season of seeking and wanting to know God and uh, he went through a season of, of being rebellious and uh, he was asking questions around what does it mean to be a child of God? I cannot be a child of God and still live like this. By the time he recommitted his life to the Lord, we've been blown away to see him waking up in the morning and reading the Bible without us telling him to read the Bible. That is revival. This week on Wednesday, I was saying, son, we've got to go. You're going to be late for school. He said, dad, don't disturb me. I'm still praying. I ran downstairs to tell my wife. I said, our son is praying. Praise God. Jesus is about to come back. I'm saying this to say we need to count the cost before we say we're going to follow Jesus. And how are you living your life to show that it's costing you something? I mean, when he wakes up at 5 a.m. to even come and serve here at the church, every Sunday we had said to him, no, you don't have to serve every Sunday. I think he's trying to pay back for all the years he was not serving. We said, no, 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 you don't have to pay, come every Sunday. He, he comes with Mpo every Sunday morning to come and serve, whether here at the sound desk or at the coffee shop. But you can see the transformation. And for some of us, we get saved, but we are not a pleasing, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And that's a challenge I want to bring to us, that we can't say we're following Christ and it's not costing us anything. A male without blemish. The Bible says, if his offering is a burnt offering from the head, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. So when we talk about a male without blemish, you can see again, it's pointing to Jesus. A male without blemish. Jesus was the only spotless person who's ever lived on earth. Jesus was the only sinless person who's never ever lived on earth. A lamb without blemish. An animal to be sacrificed was meant to be without blemish. This points to Jesus, the lamb of God, who was sacrificed for our sins. An imperfect sacrifice could neither atone for its own sin, nor for the sins of another. So talking about a lamb without blemish, I went and read a little bit about the history of Israel and how the people of Israel, like we do sometimes, we give God the leftovers. We don't give God our best. When the Bible says a lamb without blemish, it means that we need to give God our best. It demonstrates this very important principle that we need to give the best to God. So I want to read you the story. And listen to this carefully. A farmer in ancient Israel 
might be happy to give God a diseased or useless animal because it would not cost him anything. It will cost him little. There are many anecdotes and stories illustrating this tendency to give God lesser things. This includes the story of a farmer whose cow gave birth to twins and he saw he would give one of the calves to God. He said, God, you know, like most of us, we pray the prayer, God, when you bless me, I'm going to do this for you. I hope you pray those prayers and write down and tell someone else who can remind you that you prayed that prayer. Listen to this farmer. He didn't decide which one he was going to give to God until one day one of the calves died. You can see where the story is going. He said to his wife, guess what, honey? God's calf died today. <laughs> Meaning that we do that to God sometimes. Our best is but a poor reflection of what is meant to be a reflection of our hearts. We're just saying the little that I can give to God instead of giving our best to God. When it says a lamb without blemish, the same as Jesus was a lamb without blemish, without a spot, we need to give our best to God. So the question again is, what are you offering to God and what is it costing you? Is it your best or do you give leftovers to God? Remember the scripture we read earlier, we will not neglect the house of the Lord. Let's speak a little bit about atonement. Atonement in the scripture that we read, it says the man or woman who's bringing a sin offering before the Lord, in those days it would only be men representing the family. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement. Atonement is a word that explains to us that you're taking a place for someone who was supposed to be punished, for someone who was supposed to die because of the sin that they've commitment, committed. Atonement is to say there's a sacrifice, there's an animal that's going to take my place. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar. That is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. It's so interesting that the Bible says he shall lay his hand on the animal. So you can imagine the days we're living in. You're bringing your animal to the house of the Lord and people look at you laying your hand on the animal. I think the animals then were so subdued that because some of the animals that I've handled at my grandmother's uh, Christmas function, they were not as subdued as these ones. If you hold them down on earth, on the ground, they run around. I have so many stories I can tell you. I don't have time to tell you of animals that run around when you're trying to have uh, your, 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 your Christmas lunch prepared. But there's a spiritual significance to this. When you lay your hand on the animal, you're saying, I transfer all the sin, all the baggage, all the wrongdoings that I've done to God on this animal. And this animal is going to die on my behalf. It's so interesting, the burnt offering was the only offering that everything had to be burned to the Lord. Nothing was kept for the priests or the Levites. Everything must be burned to the Lord. 
It also says that the priest will take the blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. It, that was to signify that as you sprinkle the altar, it means that the blood that is coming out, it signifies your sin, that the sin is actually bringing an impurity to the altar of God. Your sin is bringing uh, the wrongs, the impact that it has on other people. I don't know if you've noticed that your sin sometimes impacts other people. We, when we sin, we don't just sin to ourselves, but our sins can also impact other people. So the challenge for us is, will be those that will bring an offering to God and live lives that are pleasing to God. Because the whole story of the book of Leviticus is whether we will live lives that are holy before God, unlike the other nations around Israel. What are you offering to God? Is it your best? Is it costing you something? I want to give you an example that may help South Africans today of what atonement is. So if I were to explain it this way, what atonement is, I have three sisters, but I'll mention two. So if uh, both my sisters, two of them worked for a boss, and their company, uh, the boss is making make lots and lots of money, but they themselves are not doing well. And one of them goes to their boss and they say, can you please loan me some rents, a few thousand rents, because I'm in trouble. And, and, and then the boss gives them money and they are not able to pay it back. And they call on me because I'm that brother, just saying, not that I have money. But I'm that brother that I'll see to it that I can help. And then we help. And then the money's paid and she's sorted out. And then let's take my other sister. And my other sister owes the boss. She's also in trouble. But instead of uh, going to ask for a loan, they go and they steal the money from the boss. They take the money, not realizing that actually the fingerprints are left there and she got arrested and now she's in jail, and she calls me, and she says, can you come and help? And as that brother who wants to help, I'll go and help, and we have an out-of-court settlement, and then she comes out of prison. Now, I want to ask you this question. Who would be most grateful that I helped, the first sister or the second sister? The second sister. Now, think of us as children of God. We've sinned against God. We deserve to be punished. We deserve to go to jail. We deserve to die. Atonement is Jesus coming and dying for us and taking our place. So we don't have to live in jail and we don't have to die. So we speak about atonement. We read in 1 John 2, verse 1 to 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. I read this uh, amazing song by Dr. Watts. My faith will lay her hand on that dear herd of thine. While like a penit penitent I stand and there confess my sin. We lay our hands at the feet of Jesus and our sins are washed away. He cleanses us 
from all unrighteousness. I want to close with this. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat and the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It means that when that fire and the smoke is rising up, it goes to heaven, it becomes like a sweet aroma that satisfies the wrath of God. So instead of God bringing punishment, instead of God killing the sinner, the, that sweet aroma rises up. And again, let's go to the New Testament. The Bible in Ephesians says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with, with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Jesus became that pleasing aroma when he hung on the cross and he died for us. He became that pleasing aroma that satisfied the wrath of God. I love the fact that it doesn't end there. The Bible expects something from us. It says, but thanks be to God who in Christ Jesus always leads us in triumphal procession, in victory. Through us, he spreads the fragrance, the perfume of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ. To God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. I want to talk a little bit about how God expects us to be that sweet aroma, not only to him, but a sweet aroma to the world that we're living in. How many of you will agree with me that South Africa needs a sweet aroma from God? And that sweet aroma is you and I. That worship that we experience this morning is a worship that leads us to a place of repentance so that we can be that sweet aroma to the world. That we can be the people who repent of our wickedness so that we can spread the fragrance of our Lord. It says that through us, he spreads the fragrance, the perfume of the knowledge of God everywhere. Our nation desperately needs Christians who will shine the light. We need to be that fragrance that God has for the world. That fragrance is that perfume that when we step into environments, environments ought to change because Christians have arrived. Imagine a world where all the Christians in the world will just live with integrity. Imagine a world where Christians will not take bribery. Imagine a world where Christians will say, no, 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 we're not going to do this. We're going to do it the right way. That's us spreading the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a story of someone who modeled this to us so well. Some of you know Reverend Frank Chikani, who was the advisor to former President Tabombeki. As a man of God and someone who lived a life of integrity, he says that uh, he told the president that if we are to have emergency meetings on a Sunday, they cannot be Sunday morning because I'm at church on Sunday. He was that kind of a Christian who said, I'm here to represent the kingdom of God. And they would only have meetings after church. 
The president listened to him to have meetings after church. And I like how Reverend Chikani says that as the director general in the presidency, he will come in and he will be the first one to arrive to make sure that everything is planned according uh, to what is needed for the meeting. And then you will have uh, the junior staff arrive and the junior staff will say, Reverend, we see that you come from church. What was the sermon today? And then he will give them the summary of the sermon. He's preaching the sermon for the second time now. And then when their senior staff members arrive, they say, Reverend, we see you come from church. What was the sermon today? And now he's preaching the sermon for the third time to the senior staff. And then the president arrives and the president says, Reverend, what was the sermon today? And then he preaches the sermon for the fourth time. I was blown away by how he was shining the light in the presidency in South Africa. But the part I liked the most was uh, he says that whenever he's around, especially in the presidential jet, people will not say the things they will normally say. People will stop doing things they normally do. He just had to be there and shine some light. Let us stand to pray. He just has to be there and be a living sacrifice that will shine the light to everyone, everywhere, spreading the perfume of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What are you offering to God? And what is it costing you? From the scripture that we read this morning, I take you now to Prophet Isaiah with the Messianic prophecy. The Messianic prophecy is a prophecy that speaks of the coming of Jesus Christ. Think about all the pictures, the shadow of the real thing to come that we read in Leviticus chapter 1. I mean, we only read nine verses. There's so much more that we can mine in the scriptures. And in the weeks to come, you're going to hear so much more. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray, have turned and everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, he's laid on him, the Lord has laid his hands on him, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Father, thank you for the final sacrifice. Thank you that Jesus was the last and final sacrifice. Thank you that we don't have to have sacrifices anymore. Thank you that we don't have to have a sheep or bull or any form of an animal to come before you, God. Thank you that Jesus was our scapegoat, that goat that carried the sin into the wilderness. Lord, I'm grateful for my grandmother who has this legacy of uh, teaching us 
to honor you with everything that we have, that everything that we are. I thank you that she taught us to live lives that are pleasing to you, to the glory of your name. I pray, God, that today, as children of the kingdom, we will stand in the gap for our nation. Repent for our wicked ways, Lord God. We know that our leaders have offered sacrifices and gotten into covenants, Lord God. We stand in the gap as children of the kingdom today and we say we cancel, we cancel those covenants in the name of Jesus. We take authority in the spirit and we cancel all those covenants with the enemy, Father God. And we say, God, you said in your word, if my children who are called by my name will humble themselves, and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven and heal the land Father we pray that God as children of the kingdom we will repent from our wicked ways we will repent from our sins and live lives that are pleasing to you Father before we close I want each and every person to pray bring yourself before the Lord if you need to repent of anything just bring it before the Lord just laid at the feet of the Father. Lord, we repent. We repent for our sins. And Lord, may we not go back. May we not go back, Lord God. Unlike the Israelites, Lord God, who kept going back. We want to be repentant, Father. We want to be penitent. We repent, Lord God for our sins and the sins of this nation so that our children will not have to fight the same battles we are fighting today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God the glory.